if you look at the 2020 election, underneath the 2020 collect election, other than Bernie Sanders, all of these candidates are not running themselves. They're running on behalf of corporate America. And one of the people they are running on, or for, is Jeff Bezos. Oh. Jeff Bezos is Dr. Evil of the United Corporations of America. Jeff Bezos and Amazon, which I've been guilty of, Jen's been guilty it's of. It's so bad. Um, I'm crying too. We're not bad. against te technology. We're not against companies doing well. We are against monopolies. We are against companies that refuse to pay any taxes. We are against companies that try and eliminate local politicians by flooding city council elections and trying to get them out because those politicians, I'm talking about the socialist champion Shama Sawant yes, in Seattle, love her. had the temerity, had the brass knuckles to say to Jeff Bezos, you got to pay your taxes. You got to pay a little tax. Shama Sawant and the other progressives on the Seattle city council had a very uh, very, very, uh, just the gall to say, you know what, Amazon, because Seattle is becoming a homeless utopia, uh, and not in a good way, because Seattle is basically becoming a new tale of two cities where rent has gone up 70%, 70% in five years. So because of that, Shama Sawant and some others on the Seattle City Council said, you know what? We're going to charge companies like Amazon and Boeing and Microsoft and other big uh, multi-billion dollar conglomerates in Seattle who enjoy Washington State, which does not have an income tax. They said, we're going to charge a head tax, a head tax to Jeff Bezos and Amazon. And Jeff Bezos didn't like that. And he poured money in and he got that head tax killed. And his next step was to pump in, do you know how much money he pumped into the Seattle City Council race? It was over a million, right? $1.5 million. That's insane, a, a city council. So pumps in $1.5 million to get rid of one politician, Shama Sawant. And you know, I, I don't live in Seattle, but I could only imagine, you know, the ads with $1.5 million painting Shama Sawant as a communist, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anti-American, anti anti-business lunatic. And it looked effective on election night. Seattle and Washington State have vote by mail, so the results are not in on election night. It takes a few days to count the ballots because it's by mail. And on election night, Shama Sawant was losing by eight points. So it looked like one of the uh, progressive heroes who I view as just as progressive as, let's say, uh, somebody with more national name recognition, Nina Turner. But obviously she's on a city council, so she doesn't, she's not talked about nationally as much. But Shama Shawant's the real deal. I mean, she's talking universal rent control. She's talking going further than the Green Deal. She's talking, she was the first one saying workers should be on all these boards. Uh, and as a result, Jeff Bezos tried to get rid of her. Well, results are not final. But Shama Sawant has taken the lead uh, after being down by 8%. And it looks like Jeff Bezos just wasted $1.5 million. This from the nation, standing in front of a massive tax Amazon banner, Seattle City Council member Shama Sawant declared victory in a re-election race that pitted her against Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos and the billionaire class. Quote, 
Looks like our movement has won and defended our socialist city council seat for working people against the richest man in the world, Sawant said Saturday. Oh, so I guess it is. I guess the results are final. The two-term council member, one of the most high-profile socialist and municipal leaders in the country, quoted abolitionist Frederick Douglass in front of a crowd of supporters who recognized the truth of the words. Quote, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. Power can seize nothing without a demand. It never did and never will. What happened this fall in Seattle was a great struggle, one of several in cities where proudly radical contenders confronted not just rivals, but massive spending aimed at defeating them. Sawant won after a long count of mail-in ballots, as did San Francisco District Attorney candidate Chase Bowden, a very progressive candidate, one of the boldest advocates for criminal justice reform yet to be elected in the national campaign to transform law enforcement. But it wasn't easy. Sawant was one of several Seattle City Council contenders who were demanding that Amazon and other big tech firms headquartered in Seattle pay their fair share of taxes. Their proposals unsettled Bezos and his fellow CEOs. Amazon steered 1.5 million into races for the city's district council seats, all seven of which were up for election this year. This money helped fund a multi-million dollar drive by business interests to elect a corporate-friendly council that would shy away from imposing taxes on corporations. Now, make no mistake about it, 1.5 1.5 million? Jeff Bezos, he ain't losing sleep over spending 1.5 million dollars. That's money under his pillow uh, for the tooth fairy. But he is losing sleep over Shama Sawan. And I'll tell you why. Because it's not about the money in the short term, right? Even if Amazon was forced to pay a head tax of $250 uh, uh, an employee, which they view as tyranny, that's not even gonna even put a dent in their bottom line. It's not about, it's not about that money. It's about the billionaires, and I would group Tom Steyer in with this, I would group Michael Bloomberg in with this, I would view Joe Biden, who works for billionaires in with this, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, all these people. The billionaires don't want to give an inch because like the NRA, I'm not saying they are terrorists like the NRA, but they are eco-terrorists, mm-hmm. I would say. Like the, NR, uh, like the NRA, their view, we give an inch, it's going to be a tsunami from there, and they're going to come in and seize everything. Am I being dramatic? No, not at all. That's 100%. Agree. So, basically, this $1.5 million, whatever, another day. I think Jeff Bezos makes more, more than $1.5 million in an hour. Oh, absolutely. I think he makes $64,000 every 10 seconds, last less count. But it's a big victory because unless some of these newly elected or re-elected city council people buckle, which they did last time, Jeff Bezos is going to have to start paying some taxes. And that's a good thing. Because when we were in Seattle, you know, in a lot of communities, the homeless population is kind of scattered into some areas, you know, under a bridge maybe, or outside Penn Station if you live here in New York, or kind of not in nice neighborhoods. In Seattle, uh, from what I saw, you have nice gentrified areas, new apartment complexes, and right outside, you have tent cities with homeless people that look like Jen and I, that look pretty much middle class, whatever's left of the middle class, uh, and are just normal working people. So we were in Seattle and we went to um, a, a tent city, I guess, and uh, really, there were many, ten- I don't know, what would you say, 20 tents, 10 tents, something like that. But really, nobody was around. And there's this one man who was. And one of the things we learned was 
people weren't around, they weren't at their tents because they were at work, which is just a, a really stunning thing to, to stop and think about, I think. You look at all, uh, it's not just <laughs> Seattle, San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles, San Jose, Chicago, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Atlanta, I mean, New York, I could go on and on and on. It might not be as pervasive in talking about tent cities, but homelessness is exploding, and it's a lot of people that don't currently have a home and are working full-time jobs. So this economy, you know, when Joe Biden says, I want to restore the soul of America, to what? To what? It's, we need more than a president who's going to be respectful and not tweet insane things. I don't think Joe Biden is going to make a dent in this. I don't think Joe Biden, oh, where can I find it? Oh, there. Joe Biden is not going to turn this around, okay? Elizabeth Warren, she could talk about big structural change till she's blue in the face. She's not turning this around. Bernie Sanders would attempt to turn this around. He's not a, he's not a wizard. When you look at this over three or four decades, it's not going to change overnight. But you at least need somebody who sees that this right here is the cancer around all of our necks. And everything is connected to this in front of you. From the homelessness to the gentrification to the um, um, police brutality, from um, environmental genocide, it is all connected to the hoarding and the kidnapping and the hijacking and the theft of your money into a small number of hands. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, boy. Um, I try to be fair. I try to be fair. A lot of viewers don't like this, that I say, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think she's Lucifer. I, I don't think she's Trump. I don't think she's Hillary Clinton. But I think she's a phony baloney populist. And I think, although she's progressive on a number of issues, I think at the end of the day, political calculation and playing the game uh, trumps her, her core conviction. We saw that in 2016. You know, I remember uh, at the Young Turks when I debated uh, my former colleague Emma, she said, well, you know, yeah, she made a mistake not endorsing Bernie. No, no, no. Making a mistake is like, I don't know, leaving the toilet bowl up and, and your significant other falling in in the middle of the night. That sounds like something that may have happened to right, you. Right, <laughs> right. But that's, that's not making a mistake. That is choosing... That's like, when the, that's like when the general tells you, charge forward at the Battle of Bernie Hill, and you saying, eh, no thanks. She failed to show up to the biggest progressive fight of the 21st century. I mean, other than Occupy Wall Street, which I think was the beginning of this progressive uprising uh, over the last decade after the financial crash, Bernie first Hillary, uh, when Bernie still had that chance. I'm not saying Elizabeth Warren endorsing Bernie would have won it for him. No. But it makes a difference, no? Right. Well, and I think that's why it's, you know, it, it reminds me of my, before AOC endorsed Bernie this time around, I thought she was going to pull an Elizabeth Warren and not, either not endorse anyone or endorse Elizabeth Warren. And um, the fact that AOC stuck with her convictions to me shows that she is a true progressive. The fact that Elizabeth Warren in 2016 did not endorse Bernie shows to me that she's not she doesn't you talk about her core convictions but does she even have any like is she truly a progressive maybe on some issues um 
but I don't I, I think that playing politics wins out for her more than things like Medicare for all. Robert James, Jordan, the threat is Biden, not Warren. Uh, Robert, we could, chew, we could walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, have you not watched Status Quo? Oh, Joe Biden gets plenty of coverage here on Status Quo. But I disagree with you. The threat is not just Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren has eaten into Bernie Sanders' uh, base quite a bit. Um, to me, Elizabeth Warren being in the race is the reason that uh, Bernie Sanders is not the front runner. I'm not saying she doesn't have a right to run. She has a right to run. Of course. Um, I'm not saying she shouldn't run or she should drop out. That that's I don't. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, right now, if Elizabeth Warren was not in the race, Bernie Sanders is the front runner because her uh, her demographic. Yes, she's got some Hillary supporters. Yes, a lot of Kamala supporters have moved over to Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. You started seeing Elizabeth Warren really skyrocket as Kamala Harris plunged. But there is a significant base, including in Iowa, of former Bernie Sanders supporters who have moved on to Warren. So <laughs> I want to get into this because 2016, 2016, she doesn't show up for Bernie. I was always trying to think of the, the good term for what that is. Is it Benedict Warren? If she, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I think Elizabeth Warren just actually said the term on stage of what her decision in 2016 was all about. So this is at a, uh, I think, environmental justice forum. Uh, Amy Goodman from Democracy Now! was asking Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? It seems like Iowa and New Hampshire have this insane influence over the entire election uh, because all the candidates are so focused on Iowa and New Hampshire which are 97, 98% white. Is, is it right that Iowa and New Hampshire should have this outsized influence? Let's take a look at what Elizabeth Warren had to say. Speaking about racial injustice, do you think the order of the primary state should change? You have Iowa and New Hampshire. Wait, let, they, me, let me just, before you finish, are you actually going to ask me to sit here and criticize Iowa and New Hampshire? <laughs> no, I'm asking about the order. No, that is what Iowa but, and New but Hampshire But let me just about. ask, they're two of the whitest states in the country. And then we moved to South Carolina with a, um, a very significant... Uh, population of people of color. And it means the candidates spend so much of their time catering to those first two states. Overall, do you think that should change? Look, I'm just a player in the game on this one. And I am delighted to be in South Carolina. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. Your thoughts. Oh my gosh, that's actually the first time I've seen that clip. I just, uh, I don't even, I don't actually even know what my thoughts are, except for she's just, she just plays politics. Like that's, she's trying, you could, you could kind of see her wheels spinning. Like, how can I best answer this so that I don't piss off the, the white people of Iowa? Like, <laughs> instead of actually thinking about the question and why Amy Goodman asked the question. Her answer was terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, I think to me, I don't want to be unfair to Elizabeth Warren, so I'm not saying when she says I'm a player in the game, that's her period in all things. But I think you play the end. The end was, should I give you the, should I leave this, should I leave the microphone here? 
There was nothing more to the clip. We're not selectively editing. That was the end of it. She walked off stage and then forgot that she had taken the microphone and brought it back. To me, what stands out about that is when you say, I'm just a player in the game, what you're really saying is, like Jen said, uh, I don't want to bother anyone here. Right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to lose any votes here. I don't want to risk uh, jeopardizing Iowa and New Hampshire. Which, frankly, it is ridiculous that Iowa. Uh, no offense to Iowa. I've been there. Nice people. Nice state. That Iowa has such an outsized influence. But do you want to know why Iowa has such an outsized influence? Because we live in a country with propaganda for media. The candidates know that even though Iowa doesn't have the most delegates, even though Iowa is predominantly white and does not even represent the Democratic Party's demographics, let alone the country's, that let's say Elizabeth Warren, for example, if she came in fourth or fifth in Iowa, she knows her candidacy is dead because that's how the media would describe it. Right. Can you, if Bernie Sanders comes in fourth or fifth place, they are going to be calling on him for drop, to drop out right away. So it's the, the narrative that is associated with Iowa and New Hampshire, not because those states actually represent who would be the best president or represent the entire country. And frankly, South Carolina, for example, would, should not be the first state either because most states are not predominantly, uh, I think South Carolina is 60% or 60, 70% African-American. So if it was reversed and South Carolina was first and let's say... Mississippi was two, we'd have the opposite problem. The, we should have a popular vote in this country, not an electoral college, but putting that aside, I can't say that, you know, I can't get in his head and say how Bernie would answer, but I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders would have answered that something along, listen, I wanna win Iowa and New Hampshire, but yeah, I do think it's a little outsized the influence. Uh, you know, it doesn't represent the country, and uh, obviously, it's uh, predominantly white. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the people of these states. It just means it shouldn't have a complete stranglehold of the entire primary process. But Elizabeth Warren, and this is why I don't trust her over Bernie Sanders, I don't trust that when she gets in office, she's going to fight for the things that she says she's going to fight for. You want to know why? Because she just said it. Hey, I'm a player in this game. Yeah. That's not somebody, you know, when somebody says, I'm going to enforce big structural change, I don't know how you're going to do that if you basically view this as, well, politics is dirty. Politics is politics. I got to be everything to everyone. I got to say, I can't, I got to say something that pleases everyone and say nothing that could offend anyone. Your thoughts? No, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I don't think she's a fighter. And it goes back to what we are talking about, core convictions. Does she actually have any? Well, it doesn't seem like it. I, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't think she's an evil person. I think she, maybe she thinks playing the game is the only way to get good enough policies passed, but that's not how we get real change at all. Since it is still the primary, I must tell you. Elizabeth Warren's terrible. terrible. <laughs> she's uh, bad. <laughs> watch this clip. This, she was asked, uh, name some black people that you would put in your cabinet. Um, oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> she had some trouble answering this question. Here we go. About the makeup of your cabinet, what three African-Americans do you feel like you have to have in your cabinet? Ooh, you know, there's a little danger in this answer because 
folks are running for president and we don't want to be here self-mentioned as cabinet members. Because dang, there's some good people. Uh, and some of them are in Congress and may not want to hear that somebody's got... Is that okay? <laughs> But you don't have to call my name. <laughs> but you know, it is. It's about having people who are fighters. It's about having people who are in the fight and want to be in the fight and are going to stay in the fight. For me, it's about building a cabinet that's about people who share the same vision and who don't just share the vision, who don't just see the big idea, but who have a real commitment to get out there and fight for it. That's what I want. I want fighters in my cabinet. Three names? Oh, you're, you're making me cut off all the politicians. But, but if I can talk about people who aren't politicians, I talk about my former governor, Deval Patrick, who is a pretty terrific guy. Um, I talk about some of the people I've met who are presidents of HBCUs, especially those who are deeply engaged in education. Um, and I'm trying to think, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay outside the current Washington part. Where is the best place to go for cabinet members, you know? It's, um, it's to have people who are in the fight. People like Melanie Barnes, my friend of more than 20 years, who's been in this fight from the beginning, who under President Obama, was uh, a, uh, was policy domestic policy advisor, um, someone like Melody, uh, who may not be as well known uh, to this crowd, but who is out there fighting every day for money for higher education, money for public schools. So that'd be something I'd love to have in a cabinet. To me, to me, the most ter troublesome thing that she said was. Not the fact that she clearly, like, just off the top of her head, does, oh my God. doesn't really know a lot of and black she was leaders. she's just babbling. Like, she had she, no idea what no, to No, no, but to, to <laughs> me, the thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that she was like, well, there's some other people in the race. Oh, oh I mean, imagine who those people so are. Can you guess? She's talking about she wants fighters. Well, oh, God. I, I think Cory Booker and Kamala Harris yeah, are the only it. two African Americans right. in the race. Cory Booker's going to be a fighter in your administration for who? The drug companies? Side note, I'm very upset about the Rosario Dawson uh, Cory Booker thing. Oh, yeah. Because she was a Bernie surrogate. So Continue. who is Cory Booker uh, going to fight for? Elizabeth Warren. He has fought for pharmaceutical companies claiming, well, I'm a senator from New Jersey and they're a big part of our economy here. Uh, he's going to fight for Wall Street other than Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton, Kirsten Gillibrand, Cory Booker. Tops, he's, he's in that group of taking money hand over fist from Wall Street and doing whatever the hell they want. Uh, Kamala Harris, w w what is Kamala Harris going to fight for? She has reversed herself on any progressive position that she has taken. She's reversed herself on Medicare for all. She could claim what she's proposing is Medicare for all. It's not. She, I think it, uh, at the end of last year, said she was for public college, free public college. A month later, it was from a debt-free college, whatever the hell that means. I still don't know what that means. Mm. Um, so when you're claiming, like, well, there might be some people currently in the race that are great fighters, yeah, no. Right. They're not. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't share Andrew Yang's prescriptions 
Uh, I don't think his version of UBI is correct, but I wouldn't have a problem if Bernie were the nominee or became president. I think Andrew Yang is a is a intelligent person. I, I think can't. I, well, I can't. I think Andrew. <laughs> I, no, no. But I'm saying, if you ask me, I mean, obviously it, it doesn't fit this topic because he's not mm-hmm. black. But if you ask right. me, like, what are some uh, you know persons of colors or minorities running that mm-hmm. you'd consider? Like, I think Yang has interesting ideas. I'm not saying I would choose him if I was Bernie, but I would certainly consider Yang before I would uh, Cory Booker or Kamala Harris any day of the week. Yeah, at least I he's at least he's true. understanding about autom- automation uh, and basically the robot threats and things like that. Tulsi too. I mean, listen, I have a couple issues with Tulsi lately. I'm so over Tulsi. Oh boy, we're gonna be pissed off about that too. To me. The thing that is propping up Elizabeth Warren the most right now is the large number of candidates. I think if you had a debate stage with Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, and let's just throw in Yang and Tulsi, so maybe six people. Mm-hmm. I think if there is more time for an actual contrast between Tulsi over, I would take Tulsi over Warren personally, but that's just me. Um, I think if there's more time for an actual contrast between Bernie and Warren, I think Bernie's going to win that race personally. Because I think Bernie, with Warren, you see she struggles to answer certain things or she refuses to answer certain things because her mind first considers political calculations. Yes. Bernie doesn't think that way. Bernie just answers what he truly believes. So what I think is... If there were less people on stage, meaning the rest of this riffraff get out of the race, if we could get some of this riffraff out of the race, Julian Castro, goodbye. Okay, it's over. Forget it. Goodbye. Klobuchar, no. Uh, who else we got? We need a Booker. Goodbye. Ugh. Kamala Harris, sorry. Uh, you could well, move and, ca- and you could camp out in a tent in Iowa for all I care. You're not winning at this point. Uh, I think we need to get rid of, frankly. Uh, who, who am I forgetting? Steyer got, and Bloomberg. Oh, Steyer, Bloomberg. Is uh, What's-His-Face still in? Um, the guy who look, looks just like a creepy little troll. What's his name? People to judge. No, not Alfred E. Newman, as Trump says. No, uh, God, what's his name? You guys remind us who we're forgetting. Point is, if you could get five or six people off that stage, then I think it becomes a lot more of a singular frame of Biden- Warren and Bernie. Pete Buttigieg, they're trying for dear life to prop this guy up. It ain't gonna happen. There's no there there. Yeah, he might place second or third in Iowa. I, I don't think Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg. Bennett. He's not on the debate stage, he didn't qualify. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bennett didn't qualify, but yes, he should get out. I'm talking about people that have qualified for the next debate. Delaney, is he the one weird looking guy? Delaney I, yeah, yeah. is not qualified either. No. So, this, per- this number of candidates is making it where Elizabeth Warren kind of skates during these debates, and there's not that many moments between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Whereas when you start whittling it down to four or five people, then I think Bernie Sanders, I don't think Bernie's ever going to lob bombs at Elizabeth Warren. He's just not going to do that. You know, they, I think they are ha- have a decent relationship. Frankly, I think before the, I don't have any facts to back this up. It's just a thought. Uh, and a gut that I have, I do think Bernie and Warren had a discussion before they announced to basically talk about a scenario like 
down the road if we're both kind of whatever. Uh, not necessarily, oh, I'll drop out or you'll drop out, but just like what their thinking was at that time about that scenario. However, Bernie, the more people have seen Bernie and the more people have seen a contrast between Bernie and Biden, Bernie had a very good moment against Biden in the last debate, the more he goes up in the polls. And Elizabeth Warren has kind of plateaued the last few weeks. Uh, She was, for a short period, she moved ahead of Biden uh, in a lot of national polls. Now it's kind of a three-way race. Or you see Biden uh, in a lot of polls now, uh, again, the front runner by a couple points. So to me, and some people said, um, Jordan, if Biden crushes in South Carolina, it's over. I don't think so. Mm-mm. By the way, a lot of people in 2007 and 2008, Hillary Clinton was out polling Barack Obama in South Carolina. Let me repeat. Hillary Clinton was out polling Barack Obama in South Carolina leading up to the Iowa caucus when, when uh, Obama won the Iowa caucus, that changed dramatically. So I'm not saying if Bernie won Iowa, he's going to win South Carolina. I, I think Biden will win South Carolina. I'm saying I don't think Biden's winning South Carolina by 30 points if he loses Iowa and New Hampshire. I just don't see that. Right. Yeah, I agree. So bottom line, to put a bow on it, it's time for a Jewish president. You know, you should tell my father that. He's a major Jew, but he likes Trump. I said to him, if it's Bernie versus Trump, what kind of Jew are you voting for Trump? <laughs> uh, so um, I think I think when it comes down to it, this next debate is super important. It's the Washington Post is co-hosting the debate. Oh so if you think they've been terrible to Bernie already, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Yes. <laughs> I want to I want to play this clip that uh, I just forgot to play because it goes back to your question about the superdelegates. It's not just the superdelegates that is the problem. It's all of the coverage in the first place. Let's watch this clip, which I have to load from our friend Joy Reid. And Mayor Pete calls that Medicare for all who want it. Now there's option two, which is Medicare for all which is at the center of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's campaigns. Now, there's been much hand-wringing over how the country would pay for something like this, which has led Warren to release a detailed plan on just how she would fund universal single-payer health care. So, how will this affect your paycheck? Let's take a look. Okay, here's your paycheck. Oh, wow, you're doing really well. Under Medicare for All, this line, uh, let's show this line that shows your insurance premium. Oh, here we go. We have to swipe it. Oh, there we go. Who shows shows your insurance premium. There it is. That would actually go away. As Rachel Maddow would say, poof. You can't see it here, but your employer's contribution also poof. So maybe your boss will pay that money to you instead as more salary. One can hope. And then this line, swiping again, uh, the one that shows, there it is, that shows your Medicare and Medicaid taxes, that stays the same under Warren's plan. So would your federal income tax, because Warren's plan finds other ways to pay to put everyone on Medicare. So that line also stays the same. That's why you hear her saying that your costs would go down. More health care, more paycheck, and a tax on billionaires to pay for it all, which may be why some people are not a fan. I've uh, paid over $10 billion in taxes. I've paid more uh, than anyone in taxes. Uh, but I, you know, I'm glad to have paid, you know, 
if I'd had to pay 20 billion, it's fine. Uh, but you know, when you say I should pay 100 billion, okay, then I'm right. starting to do a little math about uh, what I have left over. Sorry, uh, I'm just kidding. Okay, joining me now is Wendell Potter, president of Business for Medicare for All. Okay, so Mr. Potter, yeah, that was my sort of awkward way of trying to explain Medicare for All. That, but, but did I get that basically right? That, that you did. Essentially, the line where you're paying for the insurance premiums would go away. That's correct. And the company's portion of your insurance premiums would also go away. So in effect, at least under Warren's plan, you'd, you'd end up with more money. You'd end up with more money in your paycheck. And that's one of the things that's been happening over time. And one of the reasons why people are noticing they're not getting very big raises is that the money that our employers would ordinarily give us in raises, maybe bonuses, it's going to insurance companies instead. Right. One of the things that people don't realize is insurance companies don't really control health care costs. And they don't really want to because as health care costs go up, so do premiums. Right. That means they get more money from us to convert to profit. So they have an incentive not to control health care costs. Uh, their average premium for a family now is $20,000 for a, a policy that you get through the workplace. Right. So I don't even know where to start, and I'm kind of surprised because Wendell Potter, I actually like. Uh, he used to work for Big Pharma and basically has been a whistleblower ever since. He says, like, I was part of the people pushing the propaganda that uh, against Medicare for All. So I'm kind of surprised he went along with this. I did a, re I did a video uh, last week on Elizabeth Warren's Medicare for All plan. But first of all, I love how Joy Reid makes it seem like Elizabeth Warren is the pioneer mm -hmm. of Medicare right. for All. Mm -hmm. And her plan, which she just came up with five minutes ago, uh, when Bernie Sanders wrote the damn bill. So anyway, we know mm -hmm. Joy Reid is deranged about Bernie Sanders. Uh, yeah. But the thing that stands out to me, I did a, a week or two ago, you might have missed it because you were working on the story. I, I put the headline. When they say Bernie's pie in the sky, mm -hmm. I'm not a pie in the sky person. I think we have the money to pay for all this already. Oh, absolutely. But Elizabeth Warren's plan is actually pie in the sky. Its provisions, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, are, well, we're going to, uh, the money is, you know, we're going to put a $9,500 employer head tax on. So every employee, uh, the company is going to have to pay 9500 Well. As Matt Brunig pointed out at the People's Policy Project, then employers are just going to are just going to bump people down to contract mm -hmm. or freelance mm -hmm. to avoid having full time workers, yeah. so that they don't have to pay the nine thousand five hundred for Elizabeth Warren's Medicare for All plan. There's no rule in her plan. There's no control. We've already seen this where uh, Obamacare, for example, more companies started knocking people from full time down to thirty hours or 35 hours to avoid them being full-time employees so that they didn't have to pay for their health care. So basically, Elizabeth Warren's plan, who other progressive people for Medicare for All have said, is actually going to depress jobs because employers will just skirt around that head tax by keeping people uh, on freelance, contract, or whatever. That's just one part of it. Then the rest of her assumptions for the money that she's going to pay for it is we're going to pass immigration reform, mm -hmm. something that hasn't happened in 30 years. Uh, we're going to pass, uh, what was it? Immigration reform. Uh, oh, a defense cut. We're going to, we're going to cut the military, even though she's voted for both of Trump's insane military uh, budgets that increased the military budget. So her, can you imagine if Bernie Sanders Medicare for all plan 
pay pay fors, as Nancy Pelosi likes to put it, were just the assumptions that yeah, we'll just pass immigration reform, so money will come from that. Oh, and we'll pass uh, that small thing like cutting the defense budget. It's ridiculous. It is a fantasy budget. I would rather Elizabeth Warren and frankly Bernie Sanders come out and say, you know how we're going to pay for it? We're going to cut the military in half. Mm-hmm. We're going to cut the subsidies to Goldman Sachs, to Pfizer, to Raytheon. And we're going to, instead of printing money for war, we're just going to print the money for this. Because mm-hmm. I don't even think we need to pay for Medicare for all through an increase in our taxes. But like every other civilized country, Elizabeth Warren is trying to make it, she's twisting herself into a pretzel to try and say, I'm not going to raise middle class taxes. No, what you're going to do with your plan is cut people's jobs right. because they're going to lose Companies are going to get creative so that they don't have those employees as full-time workers. And the rest of her plan, which Joy Reid is trying to make it seem like it's the gold plan for Medicare for All, is fantasy. Elizabeth Warren is not God. She's not going to just snap her finger and we're going to have immigration reform. She's also not going to snap her finger, neither will Bernie Sanders, by the way, and get defense budget cuts. Am I? Right. No, you're absolutely, I agree 100%. Well, they say I don't let you talk. So is that all you want to say? Yeah, I know. You, I mean, that's, that is exactly my take, too. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and Joy Reid, I mean, she sets up the segment like, isn't it true that under Elizabeth Warren's plan, their paychecks will go up? So she's make, it's, it's an inferred, it's a subtle way of trying to make it seem like Bernie Sanders' plan, your, your costs will go up. Elizabeth Warren's plan could possibly cut your job because you're, forced, you're forcing employers to pay that. I would prefer, if you ask me, instead of my employer, which could be a small business having to pay that, mm-hmm. I'd rather pay, you already pay out of your paycheck a tax to go to Medicare and Social Security. All Bernie Sanders is talking about in his plan is your tax for Medicare and Social Security, or Medicare is going to go up. You're going to be taxed more for Medicare in your paycheck or as a citizen. The, the parts of your paycheck that go towards health care go away. Mm-hmm. It's just Medicare. And that's it. Right. You go to the doctor. No copay, no deductible, no premium, no nada. It's just an increased tax for you. So the terms are what the media is preying on. Tax. Premiums are a tax. Copays are a tax. Deductibles are a tax. I'm sure you have two children. You've mm-hmm. had hidden... Uh, bills, even with insurance. Yeah, and I have really good insurance, like really, really very lucky. And it's it's absolutely insane, even with that. And I, I do think, you know, on on that the point of Bernie, he, he needs, I think, and you've said this before, you, they really need to do a better PR job of explaining how, how this is going to be paid and how it will actually affect people's daily lives. Because as of right now, yeah, the media can hit him on saying taxes on the middle class are going to rise. And obviously that's all people here. And uh, yeah, so they have an optics problem for sure. They need to do a much better job. Well, I also credited Bernie because I thought, um, I think he went on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel actually hmm. recently. And it was the best articulation of the plan that I've heard from him because he finally said, yeah, your taxes are going to go up a little bit, but the savings you're going to have from the reduction in uh, the cost for healthcare, the savings from that are more than this tax increase. So overall, it's a tax, he didn't use the term tax cut, he should, but overall, you're saving money. 
he hasn't said it like that. He said he has said in the past, your taxes will go up, but your health care costs will go down, which doesn't immediately register that your overall costs will go down. Now he's explaining it on, on Jimmy Kimmel, I think it was, where he says the tax increase you're going to get. I actually think he used a dollar amount like Jimmy. Let's mm-hmm. say your taxes go up like seven thousand dollars, but you already pay fifteen thousand dollars for your family. That goes away, and you're left with the seven thousand. 